Hi everyone, my name is Dana, and welcome back to the Femme State Podcast, where we discuss historical women in politics who often go underrecognized. Today's episode focuses on a woman named Patsy Mink, who is often cited as the first woman of color and first Asian American woman to ever be elected to the United States Congress. Before diving into this episode, I just want to preface this by stating that I find myself resonating with Patsy Mink more than any other woman that I've covered before on this podcast and the other stories that I'm researching for future episodes. And for a little bit of context, I'm also an Asian American woman. I'm not Japanese American like Patsy was, but I'm a Korean American. But I feel like regardless, I think that the way that someone experiences politics depends on a lot of factors. Um, gender is the largest one, obviously. That's why we're here today. But I also think that race ties into it in a way that sort of changes the political experience. So, for example, a woman of color is going to experience politics differently from someone that is not of color but still female. So being Asian American, I feel myself relating to Patsy's story. Um, I can't exactly say politically just because, you know, I do not have political experience. But I think that in just ways of being, you know, a first or second generation immigrant coming from an Asian American identity who is very interested in politics and yeah, I just think that this story is so inspiring, not just to women, but especially women of color. Because Patsy faced so many struggles, so many challenges on her journey, specifically because she was a woman of color. And yet, as we all know, she accomplished incredible, incredible things. Anyway, enough of that little spiel. Let's dive in to today's episode. Patsy Mink was born in Paya in the Hawaii Territory on December 6th of 1927. And I apologize in advance for the butchered Americanized pronunciation that I'm about to speak, but she was born to Suematsu Takemoto and Mitama Tateyama. I don't know much about her mother because there really wasn't that much on her profession or her mother's story or really anything but I do know that her father was a civil engineer. And it appears that Patsy followed a similar path of going into the STEM field because she graduated from the University of Hawaii in 1948 with a Bachelor of Arts in Zoology and Chemistry. But what I found really interesting was that even though she graduated from the University of Hawaii, she originally attended two other universities, the first one was Wilson College in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, and the second was the University of Nebraska. Patsy had actually transferred from these two colleges to the University of Hawaii because she claimed that the previous two institutions had racially discriminated, discriminated against her. More specifically, she stated that these two institutions did not let students of color live in the same doors as their white students. So essentially, Patsy was forced to live in separate living arrangements from white students simply because of her race. 
Now, I don't know much about Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but I do know that Nebraska doesn't exactly scream diversity. So, you know, this doesn't entirely surprise me, especially considering that this was the mid-20th century. Anyway, after she graduated from the University of Hawaii, she planned to be a doctor. So she applied to a bunch of med schools and really unfortunately, she was rejected from every single one of them. You know, if this was me, I would just be, I wouldn't even know what to do. Like I'm applying to college soon. And if I had applied to college and every single one of them was like, we don't want you, I would be so, so sad. That, and that's even like an understatement. But anywho, it actually turns out that in retrospect, this really was, you know, a good thing because she went on to earn a JD from the University of Chicago Law School. And to be honest, I don't know much about law school rankings in the 1940s, but I do know that now, the University of Chicago is a very prestigious top-tier law school. So at the end of the day, it turns out that things ended up working all right for her. At the University of Chicago, she met a man named John Francis Mink, who was also a graduate student studying at UChicago. So they married in 1951 and had a daughter named Gwendolyn. And that's really not a name you see too often these days. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever met someone named Gwendolyn. So they settled down in Honolulu with their daughter and Patsy soon after passed the Hawaii bar. Even though she was legally authorized to practice law in Hawaii, she was unable to find work at an actual law firm, largely due to the fact that she was married to someone who was not the same race as she was. Because she was in her interracial marriage, she basically was forced to practice private law because no employer would take her. And she also lectured at the University of Hawaii on the side. Fortunately, this did give her a lot of time to found the Oahu Young Democrats in 1954. This group is actually around to this day, and it's basically a political action group that does what it sounds like it does. It pursues democratic policies within the state of Hawaii. But really her political career started in 1959. And this is when Hawaii attained statehood. So after Hawaii began to start the statehood process, it was basically given one at-large position in the House of Representatives. So Patsy, knowing that she wanted to pursue a political career, began campaigning for this position. I won't go too much into the details of this election, just because there's a lot of minute details, but this election really wasn't all that significant in the grand scope of her career. But the only thing you should know about this is that she did end up losing the election, but around a couple of years after it, she did end up winning a seat in Hawaii's state senate. So that was where her political career basically started off. In 1964, a couple of years after that, the new census basically gave Hawaii a second at-large seat. 
in the House of Representatives. So Patsy again mounted a pretty vigorous campaign which ultimately ended up benefiting her because she did win this election. But it's really interesting to note that she didn't really have any money for this election. Basically, all of her campaign funds were funded by individual donations and her husband was her campaign manager and most of the people working for her campaign were just unpaid volunteers. So I don't know. I think it's pretty incredible that she was able to pull this off with such a kind of improvised campaign. But, you know, I guess that's politics, Um, which is good because it really shouldn't be about who has the most money. When she was in the Senate, Patsy fought for both gender and racial equality, especially within the legislative priorities that she pursued. Some of her notable accomplishments include affordable childcare, bilingual education, but most importantly, Title IX. I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have at least a general idea of what Title IX is, but more officially, it states, quote, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any educational program or activity receiving federal financial assistance, end quote. Title IX is actually incredibly relevant to this day. Usually you hear about it in cases such as like college sports, but basically it just states that you can't be discriminated against because of your gender in the education system. There are a couple of other circumstances that it applies to, mainly because of that last clause of it, where it says, um, or activity receiving federal financial assistance, but mainly it deals with sexism in schools. Patsy also helped pass the Women's Educational Equity Act, which was another piece of legislation that promoted gender equality in education. So basically throughout her entire Senate career, not Senate, sorry, House of Representatives career, Patsy focused on certain groups um, that were important to her. Of course, she was a woman of color, so providing education to young girls as well as ensuring that Asian American representation in Congress was heightened were two of her main priorities. In 1994, she would in fact go on to co-found the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus, which also helped pave the way for Asian Americans to find future representation in both the House of Representatives and the Senate. Even though most of Patsy Mink's political career consisted of her time in the House, she did have a brief presidential stint, I would say, Um, But it wasn't what you think. Patsy Mink was asked by the Oregon Democrats to run for the presidency, basically stating that they would support her. Um, This really wasn't to win the presidency. I think that even to this day, we see a lot of presidential candidates that don't know, like they're not aiming to win the presidency, but rather even knowing that they're not going to win, they still run to raise awareness for certain policies or platforms that they support. So Patsy was kind of a similar deal. 
Um, she really liked the idea that the Oregon Democrats focused on the anti-war movement because Patsy was heavily opposed to the Vietnam War. So she aligned with their beliefs on war. And so she basically decided to run for the presidency under their support. I think she only ended up receiving like around or even lesser than 2% of the total vote. But regardless, this helped basically on like put her on the path towards national prominence as well as to garner more media attention as to what Patsy Mink was doing for Asian Americans in America. Patsy served in the House from 1965 to 1977 and then she decided to run for the Senate. And even though she had a really successful House career up until this point, she unfortunately did not win that election. And shortly after that, she basically was appointed to a position under the Jimmy Carter administration where she worked for around a year or so. Um, but then Patsy was again elected to the House in 1990. And at this point, she basically continued to serve in her seat until 2002, where she died at the age of 74. And right after her death, Title IX was renamed the Patsy T. Mink Equal Opportunity in Education Act, which really served as a testament to how influential Patsy Mink was, not only because she was the first woman of color to serve in Congress, but also because of the incredible accomplishments she made within it that paves the way for education for women as well as for Asian Americans in Congress. You know, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast episode, but I really think that her story is so inspiring to not only women, which, you know, the point of this podcast is to highlight these stories in the hopes of inspiring other young women that a career in politics is something that is feasible and is something that they should feel inspired to do but also because you know specifically the fact that Patsy was a woman of color who faced additional struggles on top of being a woman because of her race really proves that no matter your background no matter the obstacles you face to a political career that there are so many forerunners that have paved the way before you. And, you know, really anything is possible as long as you set your heart on it. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to this episode of The Femme State, and I hope to see you back here next time.